0: mm
1: Don't you just love those theme, those theme songs for those bad guys and certain good guys, you know, when it changes it up on Darkwing episode? Well, I know I do, and I sure am excited about today's podcast. Welcome to the St. Canar Files, a Darkwing Up podcast. I'm your host, Will Santana, and...
0: I'm Mike Russo, and I just can't get that Steelbeak theme out of
1: my head. Nah, I sure can't either, Mike, man. Uh, I'm excited today. We have a great guest with us here today.
0: Yes, we definitely do. We have Philip Giffen, the composer for Darkwing Duck. Yeah, and he's Emmy-nominated. Oh, he is. Actually, yes, he is Emmy-nominated.
1: All right. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Phil. How's it going, man?
2: It's going really well, and I can't be happier to be involved with you guys. I've only just recently learned about you, and I was thrilled that there's a podcast Dedicated to Darkwing Duck, my old friend. <laughs> awesome. That's your old buddy, huh? <laughs> yeah, he's my buddy. He he's helping me put my kids through college. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome, and uh, that's
1: fantastic.
2: You know, the good thing about cartoon characters is, you know, they they never quit or ask for more money. They don't become drug addicts. They, you know, they they're very consistent. <laughs>
1: Now Phil, man, I gotta tell you, I'm jealous because you had to a lot of fun composing
2: that music for Darkwing.
0: Oh yeah, right.
2: Well, you know, um, I had a very good mentor, not necessarily in writing music for animation, but my mentor, and, and God rest his soul, is a guy named Michael Kamen. And you would have to look him up, but he scored tons of great movies. He did all the Die Hard and Lethal Weapon movies but a lot of other movies as well. But Michael was equally as comfortable with a 90-piece orchestra as he was a rhythm section and songwriting. And, you know, I would never put myself on the same playing field as Michael. But I, too, am comfortable in both arenas because I produce records and I'm a songwriter, too. But I do feel, you know, uh, I know a fair amount about... The orchestra i've i started out as an orchestrator um so you know i can make an orchestra roar but um i feel pretty good in the realm of writing you know uh, rhythm section charts and horn charts and pop tunes and stuff like that once again not at the level of michael Kamen, but um so michael taught me something really important he said if you're not having fun something's wrong because, and he. he, these are his words, he said, because remember, this is the entertainment business, entertainment. And he said, when you play music, you should take the word play, literally play like child's play, like playing in a sandbox or something. And if you're not having fun, then you need to change something. And that was really good advice. And once again, I know um, a lot of times when there's a deadline and people have a lot of money on the line, trust me, I take it very seriously. But one thing that's important is to keep remembering you're not doing cancer research or heart surgery or someone's life is not on the line. So mm-hmm. it's It's about entertainment. And mm-hmm. I've always found that if I can figure out how to have a good time through the process, it's just, you know, there's a saying that uh, it goes, if you love what you do, you never have a day's work in your life. And I would have to say, I definitely have experienced that. And That's not to I- say I, I I've had many, many all-nighters that it's just like, oh my gosh, I was you know, looking forward to seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But um, this has been really, really fun, my career and this life I've had in music. I've been super lucky. Was this something you always
0: wanted to do even when you were younger?
2: Basically, yes. Uh, when I was a kid, um, I can actually draw a decent picture so I can I can draw a little bit and paint a little bit. So I guess maybe that relates to music somewhat. So funny funny enough, and I'm just realizing this now, um, I wanted to be, before I got into music, I wanted to be a cartoonist. I can't believe I'm just remembering this now. But, um, <laughs> but be, because I could draw, um, I thought, well, I think I must have realized early on don't count on fine arts, you know, get into, you know, at least people that animate cartoons, they have a a job every week. So I remember for the longest time, I wanted to be a cartoonist. And even as a young kid, like I was in elementary school, I lived in Columbus, Ohio. My parents were so supportive. They took me to an art class that was offered at Ohio State University. And I can remember being in this art class with all these, you know, adults. Once again, I'm not saying I was at their level. I think it was something that they were offering and uh, they didn't have any age limit. And so my parents Mm -hmm. said, heck, let's enroll them in that. Um, And I love that. But then when I was, I think around uh, uh, the fourth grade, someone gave me a guitar and I just started spending so much time making up songs. And I remember the first song I wrote was about a car. <laughs> it's <was laughs> kind of funny. Um, but then, uh, you know, I got into bands when I was in uh, uh, junior high school. I guess they call that middle school now. Um, and also through high school. Uh, and it was my dad that helped me realize, hey, you know, you can study music and you can make a living in music. Uh, and my dad would read this magazine called Downbeat Magazine. And it's basically a jazz magazine. Um, and they would talk in that magazine, they talked about Berkeley College of Music. And that's not Berkeley in California, but Berkeley in Boston. You guys probably know of it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So that my dad is the one that got me hit to that. So, Uh, I auditioned and got in and studied hard for four years there. And then I stayed in Boston and and played in bands, different kind of bands, for an additional three years. So I was there a total of seven years um, before I moved to L.A. And when I moved to L.A., because I had some knowledge, some musical knowledge and uh, some training in orchestration, I got all kinds of jobs, like copying jobs uh, and slowly but surely orchestrating jobs.
1: Mm. Now, Phil, I want to name drop a few of your credits, man, because there's some credits. I just got to name drop them, man, because I'm excited. I love some of these films and shows you worked on. Sure. Uh, You got Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Say Anything, which is a classic. Uh, Mike loves The Simpsons, and you got credit on twelve of the episodes of The Simpsons. Uh, nothing but Trouble. I'm not a big fan of the movie, but Tupac was in there, so hey, I'm a fan of it. Uh, Ladybugs. I I don't know what it is about that movie, but I always loved it. I think because HBO just played it so many times when I was a kid. You know, it was on all day, every day.
2: That's uh, me. <laughs> so I should put, well, first of all. It's always a mistake to interrupt someone that's complimenting you, so please continue. (laughs) And then, uh, I've never seen Boontown, but that's what you were
1: nominated for, an Emmy.
2: Right. Now, I would recommend um, you can get that. You can get the full season. And sadly, it was uh, a show that only lasted one season. Um, And I know the president of NBC, even to this day, he regrets, he, he, he felt like maybe that was a mistake to cancel Boomtown because it was so good and written by a great writer named Graham Yost who did Band of Brothers. I think he did the show mm. Pacific. Uh, he, his first big thing was Speed. He wrote, wrote that, but and he also wrote um, some other show that I can't think of right now, but, um, he is such a great writer. And that really is a great show that holds up. I'm telling you a lot of times you see these things, you know, maybe 10 years later and you go, wow, that's, I, I I remember that being so much better than it is now, but Mm -hmm. that show really holds up. So anyone that's listening out there in podcast land, check out Boomtown has nothing to do with animation, but it, Really uh, well written, uh, good acting, everything.
0: Well, was definitely more uh, life than Darkwing Duck, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I sure. Anyway, um, so let's let's um, bring this uh, conversation over to Darkwing Duck, then, shall we? Yes. Okay. So, how um, how did you get hired on Darkwing Duck? What was the process of
2: that like? Oh, oh, let me let me uh, um, rewind a little bit because. I think it was Will, you were mentioning some of those shows and movies that you really like. Some of those, I was the orchestrator for, and maybe sometimes when you're orchestrating, uh, the composer you're working for, he'll he'll ask you to um, maybe write some additional music. And oftentimes, composers will even give you that credit, tail credit at the end, orchestrations and additional music by Philip Giffen. But for example, The Simpsons. uh, 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 Actually, a fair amount of those that you mentioned will. The composer was a guy named Richard Gibbs, a dear friend, phenomenally talented. And Richard Gibbs played keyboards with Oingo Boingo, and um, Richard had the the gig of composer for The Simpsons. For the first season only. Yeah, before Alf
0: Clausen came on board, right? Yes,
2: right. And I orchestrated all of those for Rich. Um, And so uh, the way I got the gig for Darkwing Duck, let me tell you something. When you're doing animation... At least back in those days when we were kind of in a way channeling Carl Stalling. I don't do you guys know who Carl Stalling is? Oh, absolutely. Oh, good. You do, but some of your listeners might not. Oh, yeah, of course. So um Carl Stalling did a lot of those classic uh, Warner Brothers movies. Um, but, man, cartoon music, you're turning on a dime. Sometimes you have like this massive run. Let's say somebody a character's falling down the stairs. Did a little did a little did a little diddle little poop 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 poop. And then it goes to like triangle. Bing. You know, so you have massive orchestration broken down to like solo clarinet. Um right. it is really time consuming because you're catching things like eye blinks. and When I say catching things, so you're syncing the music you're writing up to Darkwing Duck's eyes blinking, like blink, 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 something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're so, scoring directly to the action.
2: Yes, and, and, and it's really time consuming. So, um, I believe this is how it went down. Rich, was offered the job of Darkwing Duck, and he just didn't want it. Um, For a couple of reasons. When you sign on to do an animated series like that, basically, you're dead in the water. You can't take any other jobs. Mm. It's it's just so all-encompassing. In fact, for me, what I did and and Disney, God bless them, they allowed me to do this. I had a group of uh, orchestrators that were also co-writers, and I would uh, give them themes. Each one of my characters I had themes for, and then each week when they would introduce a new bad guy, I would write the bad guy theme for that week. By the way, I learned this technique from the maestro himself, a guy named Mike Post brilliant guy that's written a lot of TV music. Um, So I'd have a team of guys, and then I would be very specific, like uh, from here to here, use this theme, from here to here, use this theme, and so on. However, it's still the amount of arranging and compositional skill that's involved in putting together a cue, it's immense. So I would give all of those orchestrators 50% Writing credit, which means they still to this day collect 50% of those royalties, um, which I haven't gotten any thank you notes from them in a while. So, I- <laughs> <laughs> well, but some of those, I, you know, I'm I'm going to embarrass myself because I'll li- leave some people out, but some of the amazingly talented co-writers and orchestrators were Eric Schmidt, Stephen Taylor, Brad Warner. Stu Goldberg, um, a guy named Jim Temple, or maybe it's Templeton, I'm sorry. Um, And and he has recently passed away, God rest his soul. Um, And once again, I'm forgetting a couple of people, but forgive me. Um, But I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to the fact that it's a team effort and also as long as I'm giving shout outs, one to Richard Gibbs who he passed on the job of Darkwing Duck and he highly recommended me and so um, they brought me in i i scored you know the first show and i i they liked it so basically i had the gig there was one to, do you happen to remember what the very first episode you scored was you know what It has been so long ago, I cannot remember. In fact, uh, you know, I I don't want to embarrass myself by the things I've forgotten, but um, I can't remember what the first episode was. That's all right. Probably was probably we didn't score them in sequence, meaning we probably didn't. Maybe we did. Maybe there was a pilot episode. Actually, that makes sense there there would have been a pilot episode the first one. But it was a lot of fun, but so much work. Um, and that's why I owe a lot to uh, my team of co-writers and orchestrators, which did allow me to take other jobs. I mean, I was doing other work, you know, scoring movies of the week and stuff. At the same time. I can say that now that I no longer have the job, but Disney probably would have been crazy about knowing that I was taking other jobs at the time. But um, it's all good, and it was, it was a great team of people, including the team from Disney. They were all very supportive.
1: Yeah, Phil, I think the reason why he asked you that question is because there's a huge debate amongst the Darkwing community on what the pilot episode was which one was the first one recorded man i'm
2: so (laughs) sorry i wish i wish i could somehow uh um, shed any light i don't know i can't remember
0: i'm pretty sure it's the episode titled that sinking feeling uh tad stones always says he wrote and recorded that one first so it's very possible that was the first one but that's you know that's my assumption you know what
2: when you said that just now that that did sound familiar Mm -hmm. so have you guys uh interviewed tad stone uh we we have we have Not arrangements
1: yet. for it we have it arranged though it's,
2: it's, it's in the oh, work it's in the work works. nice guy and give him my <laughs> warm regards and it, it's been far too long since we've spoken but uh that guy's brilliant yeah i, I the, i'm
1: gonna make this real quick because I, I definitely want to get back to this interview the problem is Mike always tells people what Tad has said, what was the first recorded, but then some people debate what was the origin story. Just because it was the origin uh, origin story doesn't make it the pilot, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. And
2: I wish I could help out in solving, That's okay. solving this argument.
1: <laughs> That's fine, Phil. Okay. Well, Phil, you just spoke about some of the bad guy themes. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about it now. Let, like, let's get into specifics on certain of them, because a uh, uh, few of them that I really want to know about. Like, what was the motivation or what was the inspiration? Uh, one of my favorite uh, characters in the show was Morgana, Morgana McCobber. Okay. And every episode she's in, when she first pops up, you hear this theme song. And she doesn't really have like a like a villainous theme, but she has like a spooky theme for all her episodes, you know, because she right. kind of looks like uh, the Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, or, yeah. Elvira. Elvira, yeah, she kind of has that appearance. Was that kind of like your inspiration for creating her theme?
2: <laughs> it was, and, you know... Um, first of all, I really appreciate your support and your love for those themes. Um, but with, my approach was, what is it? Take it on face value. In other words, with cartoon music, at least back in that era, um, I would never be afraid to hit it right smack on the nose. And then I would try it out like, does this work? instead of trying to think, oh, um, instead of being fearful of hitting something on the nose i would say well what is it what is it like what is on the nose first of all let me define what on the nose is and so i'd try to come up with a theme that is in fact on the nose mm-hmm. and and oftentimes it's like wow there's nothing wrong with that that i think that works great and it would stick
1: yeah it definitely sticks because as a 10-year-old kid, when I first watched Darkwing, every time I heard that theme, I knew she was in the air, you know, in the area. So I was like, yes, Morgana's in here. She's about to show Girl, up. Nick, you know? That's
2: exactly the intention. So I'm glad it worked. I hope <laughs> it didn't give you nightmares. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there's a couple I really love that I wanted to ask about. Sure. Um, first of all is Megavolt. Right. Uh, his theme has – to me, I always describe it as demented circus music. <laughs> now, how did you, How did you come up with that?
2: Well, I specifically remember that being like, I thought, well, if I have to translate electrical current into musical notes, and I don't want to get too technically. No, please do. <laughs> too technical, musically. But I, would, I wrote um, clusters. Clusters just means notes are really, really close together. And, um, and then I would make those clusters leap and it would it, it kind of like had um, in a way, I don't want to say it sounded like a, a electrical current because it didn't really, but sometimes what it does, it helps me kind of get into like, even though if I would play you that theme by itself, you wouldn't say, oh, that sounds like electrical current because it wasn't right. like a sound effect. But it, it gave me uh, um, almost a discipline, a jumping off point where I could start. And it kind of, that's how I came up with that. It's, I, I have a piano here, but it's like. You know. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> cool. That. And the other one I wanted to ask you about, now you came up with a great theme for the muddlefoots, but you adjusted it depending on which of the characters was in the scene like if it was the mother or the father. Do you have any um, background about that?
2: Um, only other than you just articulated it perfectly. I would, you know, the theme, you would adjust the theme kind of the way you would mama bear, papa bear, baby bear.
0: Yeah, because you know? like Herb's theme is ponderous and dumb
2: and Binky's is sweet, but it's Correct. still the same theme. Right, exactly right. So, and and by the way, once again, uh, bringing... A lot of credit back to my co-writers and orchestrators, um, oftentimes they would arrange my themes in a way that worked better than the way I originally conceived of it.
1: hmm
2: hmm
1: Okay. So now, Phil, I got to ask you about two more characters. One of them, we got to go with the voice actor Rob Paulson, the character Steelbeak. His theme, he, now his character kind of vanishes throughout the series. Like he does, he's not hardly in it toward the end, but his theme song is just so memorable with that saxophone or whatever you got going on there, man. It's just incredible.
2: Oh man, I'm going to have to tune into this podcast because you guys, these compliments are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put this on a tape loop and just play this for. I'm going to play this podcast for myself every morning when I wake up. Um, <laughs> that was that guy, you know, he's like a, you know, like a New York, uh, uh, like a New York mobster here, like that. And it just <laughs> seemed, and once again, back to hitting it on the nose. What. what depicts New York? To me, it's jazz. Mm -hmm. So it it felt like appropriate to um, give him a theme that had a swing vibe and a saxophone, like a cool jazz kind of thing. I mean, it wouldn't make sense to score a a gangster. Well, I'm not saying it, it couldn't work, but the way I was thinking, I didn't want to do some kind of orchestral thing like what I did for Darkwing is bum bum bum, you know, like that was kind of a heroic orchestral yeah. theme, but not for Steelbeak because that, you know, that guy is, you know, a street guy
1: mm-hmm. in New well, York City. Well, now that you mentioned Darkwing, yeah. We got we got one more character to talk about that I, I, I want to discuss with you is Negaduck. Who is the complete opposite of Darkwing and his theme is like is is grimy, is dark, and it's like the, the complete opposite, you know, of what you expect on a Darkwing Duck episode.
2: Right. And it's funny, you guys. I- you guys are helping me describe the themes because you're using all the verbiage that, <laughs> that I would use. To be, but I just try to think of what is the opposite of Darkwing Duck? Because, mm-hmm. you, you know, Darkwing is this heroic light. And then the other is, you know, <laughs>
0: <Negaduck>. <laughs> Yeah, very dark,
2: very dark and grinding and, um, you know, the antithesis of Darkwing. Mm-hmm.
1: Which is awesome because they're both voiced by Jim Cummings.
2: <laughs> That's interesting. You guys probably know more about the voiceover actors than I do. Oh, really? Probably <laughs> because to me, I have to say, when I was watching those episodes and listening to it, it was just like I almost treated it like these were real act, real people, mm-hmm. even though they were drawn characters. I, I got so into that world, I didn't even think of it as a voiceover actor in a studio doing the voices. I just really kind of, I, I, I allowed my imagination to perceive the characters the way kids would perceive them. Which by the way, it's, it should be noted that these episodes, they were not just written for kids and that's probably why the show was so popular. They, were, they all had entertaining uh, elements for adults, which made it fun for adults to watch with their kids. So you could get a laugh on an adult level that the uh, on a joke that the kids wouldn't even get, but still it would give the kids something to laugh at and uh, give them entertainment as well. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'll just throw out an example I always use, um, Mm -hmm. guys. There's an episode called Twin Beaks. Okay, my daughter's five. What five-year-old is going to get those jokes? Right. And there's jokes about the far side in that episode. Who's going to get that?
2: Exactly my point. But there's a joke
0: with uh, bathroom doors. One says male, one says female, and it's a door for cabbages, because cabbages are the villain. My (laughs) daughter laughs at that. Yeah. So it works for her, but then we're laughing at the twin peaks and the far side jokes.
2: Exactly. That's it's smart. Yeah, very smart because guess who ultimately controls the TV? And that's those are the adults. So yeah.
1: I, now, Phil, did you guys get to screen a lot of the episodes uh before
2: y'all record? Uh yeah, we would let's see, we would have spotting sessions. So um Um, we would, it's almost like, you've heard of things called a table read. Well, this wouldn't be a table read, but we'd sit around a table similar to that, and uh, there would be, um, you know, a monitor in that room, and we'd play the video, and we had a music editor, and, and so we would just discuss whoever was directing that scene, which by the way, there are multiple directors throughout the season, yeah. Um, we would, I would discuss, okay, here's what I have in mind for this. And this is what I'll do here. I'll start a uh, dark wings duck theme here and end it right here where I'll take, uh, steel beaks theme. We'll take over from here to there. And we'd kind of map it out like that. That's called a spotting session. And then to once again, to Disney's credit, they gave me a full orchestra every week. Every week. And they don't do that anymore because nowadays um, a lot of cartoons are scored, you know, with sampled sounds. It's called out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sampled sounds are pretty great, but, you know, not the same. Well, for me, it was sure fun to be conducting all those great, great L.A. session players.
0: Now, I wanted to ask a question about the, the evolution of the music on the show. Now, how much, what percentage would you say at the beginning of the show was fully scored? Because I know Disney eventually would take those scores and put them into later episodes. Like, what percentage would you say of later episodes were fully scored and That's used? That's a good
2: question. It would be, you know, like, I would say maybe a third fully scored and then. Um, what would happen is, you know, you have a, a big library and I specifically recorded things um, instead of big long cues, I rec- recorded short cues. Right. So they would be easier, almost like uh, Lego pieces that m- music editors could snap in and it would be easier for them to use smaller pieces um and so maybe a third of the shows were scored top to bottom and then they would start to do what's called tracks they would plug in some cues right you know in a show and then that that particular show might require less original scoring and slowly it would kind of we kind of uh wind wound down right and and then like probably the last third they they had so much music in their library they could just cover it and you know save a whole lot of money by not hiring a full orchestra every yeah there's a couple of episodes within like the first 12 that has a cajun
0: villain and all the music in those episodes, you know, were written just for those episodes because it's all Cajun music. Exactly but then you get, right. Then you get then you get to later ones. It's like I know where that that piece of music's from. I know where that piece of music is from. I know that tune as well. So right. you can start. You can see toward the end they're chopping them up and they're sticking them into different
2: episodes. Right.
0: And it works. It totally works.
2: But you, you know, can always. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. You know, a connoisseur such as you guys. It wouldn't didn't get sick of any piece of music that you heard multiple times.
1: <laughs> I fell no. in love with it. <laughs>
0: Not on Darkwing Duck, that's for sure.
2: Good.
1: Yeah. Now, Phil, uh, I have an assumption here. Off the off the air the other day, we had a discussion that you scored ninety out of the ninety one episodes of Darkwing. Um, I did a little researching. And this is just an assumption here. I don't have hardcore facts or anything. I'm starting to assume that you actually scored all 91 episodes. What I'm thinking you're not getting credit for is there's one episode of Darkwing that is banned. It was only in syndication uh, one time.
2: Uh, That I don't know anything about. And frankly, at the moment, I forget. somebody. There was somebody that scored an episode... And I'm spacing on his name, but I know he's really talented. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't think of his name right now. But okay. um, uh, I don't know. You could. Your theory could be correct. Okay. Yeah. Because
1: uh, I, I watched a little bit of the band episode, and when I the first the first uh, piece of music that comes on is Morgana's theme. So I was like, he had to have to do something with that one. If Morgana's theme is already on there, the first oh, thing. that's that, definitely yeah. Those yeah. are my themes. Oh, for
2: sure.
1: <laughs> Yeah. So, and I, I kept watching the episode, and like I kept listening to the background music. I'm like, I've heard that before. I've well, heard that one ever, before. Well, if
2: you ever hear an episode that doesn't have the Darkwing Duck theme, those themes that you're familiar, that would be the episode that See, I did do. See, that's
0: the thing. I can't think of a single episode. I have well, you know, like they I have like 50% of these episodes memorized. I can't think of a single episode that sounds different to me.
2: What mm-hmm. they might have done is like. Um, had someone, the the other guy, um, score an episode and then maybe they plugged in some of my themes into his, I'm not exactly sure and I don't want to imply that they didn't like what he did because I know that guy's really talented and once again, I'm talking about someone that's really talented but I can't recall who it is at the time. By the way, this was a while ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we understand. Yeah, I did have one more one more question specifically about Darkwing. There were two songs in some episodes. I'm not talking about the theme song. There was an episode where Darkwing sings a lullaby to Goslin, and there's another one where Darkwing has a uh, rock, basically a rock song.
2: Yeah. Were you, were you involved with either of those? No, uh, I think I might have. Uh, I think I wrote an accompaniment to that. So I I made an orchestral accompaniment to that or something but i didn't write them i didn't write those songs no but somehow, but
1: the background helped. music he would have yeah made. yes okay all right well phil man i really appreciate you being on our podcast man um is there anywhere where the people uh, our listeners
2: can find you at well uh you can always check out my website philipgiffen.com p h i um, l i p g i f f i n dot com and you know you're always welcome to email me and I just want to thank you two Will and Mike for your interest in Darkwing Duck my sincere gratitude to you guys I mean it's so rewarding to have this come back to me like this out of the out of the blue uh, uh, two guys like you that know so much about that cartoon. So <laughs> much more than I know.
0: Well, well, th- well, you're welcome, Phil. We really appreciate that, too.
2: Yeah,
1: you weren't easy to find either. <laughs>
2: well, I, I commend you. You guys uh, should double as detectives. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, Phil, man. We really, really appreciate it, man.
2: Thank oh, you very much. Oh, I could not... Have enjoyed it more. Thank you too immensely.
1: All right, Mike. So that was our interview with Philip Giffen, man.
0: Oh, he's so great to talk to. I love that interview.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to end the interview, but, you know, with time constraints, I know we had to end it. <laughs>
0: yeah, we, we've imposed uh, a very specific time frame for these flash quacks, but keeps us disciplined, you know?
1: Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, man, where can our listeners find us at, man?
0: All right, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Apple devices, uh, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, uh, of course, YouTube, Amazon Echo, uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and all these other places I can't even think of up the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where you can find us, guys.
1: Yeah, and uh, for those who follow us on Facebook, man, uh, I know we're you're gonna hear this kind of later, but we just kind of hit 800 uh, followers, man. That's a lot big for us because we were just only at 400 like three weeks ago
0: i'm hoping by the time this episode drops we've hit a Oh, so that would we, be huge if we have thank you guys
1: <laughs> all right so no shout out this is a flash quack and i just want to tell everybody stay dangerous have a good night guys good night y'all